Beth Bush, some of you uh, know Brother Bush and his family. Some of you may be new to uh, our church. And uh, but Brother Jeff is my brother-in-law, and uh, uh, him, his wife, my wife are twins. And so um, we've actually known each other since uh, college. We were actually uh, in our dorm our freshman year and uh, became friends. And I, I have to say that Brother Jeff is probably one of the, uh, one of the few that I would call uh, one of my best friends. And, uh, and I appreciate his friendship just through all the years. And, of course, he was a missionary in Argentina uh, for many years, while almost the same amount of time that we were in Uganda. And then around the same time that the Lord led us back uh, to the States, God also led them back, and he is now uh, the uh, director of Vision Baptist Mission uh, there in Alpharetta, Georgia, and working to train missionaries uh, to get to the field. And so uh, Brother Jeff has uh, some of the new prayer cards in the back there, so I would encourage you, make sure you get one of those new prayer cards um, uh, in the back as you leave this evening and uh, pray for them, uh, but just appreciate them being able to be with us uh, and uh, pray for them. Uh, of course, uh, two of their daughters are married. Their third daughter, Joe, is getting married in uh, January 5th, 6th, 6th, January 6th. And uh, I, uh, the second daughter just got married, when was that? Sep- a month ago, two months ago, September? I don't know, you're... you're <laughs> You're crazy, man. I don't, I don't think I could do that. Having two daughters get married within like three or four months of each other, that, that'd be so tough. Uh, but he is the man, and so I guess he's able to do that. So uh, but we're so glad to have you here, Jeff. So you come preach tonight. I'm glad your family's with you, too. Uh, it's always a blessing when they're here. <laughs> Would you open your Bibles, please, to the book of 1 Samuel in chapter number 30. 1 Samuel chapter number 30. As Pastor mentioned, uh, at the back, right in the middle, the table right there, uh, there's some of our prayer cards. If you would want to g- grab one of these, please, I'd greatly appreciate your prayer. Uh, you'll notice on our new prayer card, it's just a picture of my wife and I. When you got daughters marrying as fast as mine, you uh, just go ahead and just get the picture of the two of us, you know? And uh, not going to worry about it. That's called being a cheapskate. I don't want to keep changing prayer cards, you know? I mean, uh, so you got to think smarter and uh, not work harder, I guess. I don't know. But uh, anyway, it's a blessing. It's a privilege being here. Let me congratulate you. What a beautiful facility that God has given you. I mean, this is just, wow, what a wonderful thing. And uh, I am so grateful. Um, Pastor a couple times has told me, just come back to my office. And I said, I have no idea how to get back to your office. And he said, I already showed you. And I said, I can't remember. You're like, this building is big. I go down one hall and I get lost. And this morning I said, where am I supposed to go? And he said, just right around the corner. And I said, can you walk me there? Like, I feel like I'm back in kindergarten. I have no idea where I'm at, you know. And, uh, but it's a blessing being here uh, with y'all. And praise God. Uh, let me commend you for not only the beautiful building and the hard work, uh, but let me commend you for the wonderful spirit that God has given you. And never lose the beautiful, the unity that you have in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the Lord's coming back very, very soon. And uh, whether you look at the political situation or financial or moral or social, it doesn't matter how you look at it, our Lord is coming back soon. Which means you and I have a short amount of time to get the gospel out before he returns. You see, when we're with the Lord, there'll be no more need to use our talents for the Lord or to share the gospel to other people. We'll be with, with our Lord and with our other brothers and sisters in Christ. May we do everything within our power right now. Well, I uh, met your pastor when 
Uh, we were in Bible college, and I, fem- I remember the first day I arrived there, and I walked into our dorm, and in this building, there was uh, the dorm supervisor, and uh, I walked in there, and I said, uh, my name is Jeff, and he said, you're going to be upstairs, and I said, okay, and he said, in fact, one of your roommates, he's already made it, and I said, oh, great, I get to meet him, he said, well, he just dropped this stuff off, and he's going to leave, let me show you, and he took me upstairs, and we walked into the room, the first room on the left, and uh, I looked right there, he said, you're going to be over here, there's, I think, two different bunk beds and another bed and he said you'll be right here and uh, I looked and there was a big old duffel bag and he said this is one of the guys his name is Andrew and I said okay and he said he just left he's from Uganda and I'm like sweet nectar you know I mean this is gonna be cool you know I'm picturing you know this six foot seven big old John and so anyway I, uh, I was really excited about this you know and I'm waiting around and finally Andrew comes back up and I'm like hey What's up? My name is Jeff. We've got this Ugandan dude who's going to be with us. He's like, yeah, that's me. And I'm like, wait, what? You know, like, no, no, not profile. No, it doesn't work out, you know. And so he had up on the, his shelf, we all got two different drawers. And we got the closet. We all shared. So everybody got a little space in the closet. You can hang your clothes. Do not cross the line, you know. And so and then about 30, I don't know, about 32 guys shared one refrigerator. And uh, let me just say, whoever bought the milk, bought the milk for the entire dorm, you know? And everybody, would, they would always put, Exodus 20, do not steal. And everybody would be like, yeah, whatever, dude. Like, you know, drinking that sucker, you know? I'm like, we're in Bible college. You can't steal stuff, you know? And man, they did it anyway. You know, they're good at it. And many of them are pastors today, you know? But anyway, I mean, it was like crazy. So I looked, and on the top of the, uh, we, we had two different drawers. And on that, and on the top, that Andrew and I were going to split the top. And so he had the top two, I had the bottom two, and... On the top, he had these, uh, from Uganda, he brought these different animals. They were wooden, and uh, I think one was a, I don't know, one was a big ape, and the other, I don't know, if a lion, and maybe even an elephant. He had a couple of them, and so he put them there, and once I met him, and once I found out he really wasn't Ugandan, he was like, you know, just this ripoff from Uganda, you know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and so every day, and so on his half... Of the, on his half of the dresser, he would put those. And so every morning when he woke up, I turned him around and made all the animals of Uganda moon him because I was upset at him. And that was the beginning of our friendship, you know. I probably shouldn't say that. And I'll get in trouble afterwards. But it's all right, you know. Um, but anyway, God, God knitted our hearts uh, many years ago. We were best friends through college. And uh, then we were on deputation together and on the mission field. Together. I just, Lord has been very good. And I'm grateful, one, for friendship. And I'm grateful also for family. And God has been very good. So 1 Samuel chapter number 30, and uh, let's read a couple different verses here. Uh, you know this portion of Scripture, if you've got a pen, if you'd pull it out, and let's underline a couple different things here. 1 Samuel chapter number 30. Uh, I remember the first time that I visited First Baptist Church of Eaton, Ohio. Uh, we were in Bible college, Andrew and I, and we were both dating the twins. And so we came up, you know, and to, to visit. And I remember as we came up, Pastor Hill said, uh, uh, why don't you guys preach? And I thought... Lord have mercy, what a, this is going to be a disaster, you know, like have these two 19-year-olds preach in your church, you know, and so here I am, and I know, I know, man, you guys have sharp young people, and they preach well, I look back and I'm like, I had no idea what, I, I still don't know what I'm doing, but you know, at least I'm a little bit better at knowing what I'm not doing, you know, and I mean, man, back then it was just rough stuff. But I remember Pastor Hill would get out, just a wonderful thing, and I so enjoyed it, and to see where the church has come and what's come. But I remember when I started out, I, I could read the words on my page. Now, this many years later, five kids later, and a whole bunch of years, I got these things called help me read my Bible things, right? And so let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 30, and I'll read a couple of verses here uh, with these helpers that I got here. It came to pass when that David and his men, they were come to Ziklag, 
On the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south in Ziklag, and they spent in Ziklag and burned it with fire. Let me give you a little bit of context what's going on here. David had, he had been anointed by, you remember he killed Goliath, and then he had been anointed. He had went to, he had been anointed by Samuel, and uh, then not long after that, they called him up to the palace, and I'm sure in David's mind, he thought, you know what, jackpot, God called me, you know, he had anointed me, I'm now going up there. And so he's up there, and he's playing the harp for the mad Saul, the, the king of, the first king of Israel, this jealous and envious king, and all of a sudden, David's there, and I imagine in his mind, he's thinking, you know what, God, you got me as a young man, I'm about to do some great things for you. And then all of a sudden, Saul throws a spear right at his head and David ducks and once and then twice and then three times and he thought you know what I think I'm going to die here I'm out of here and so he takes off and he's running through the desert and he's living many years in the desert and most of the Psalms are written throughout that time and as he's living in the desert Saul's trying to chase him Saul's trying to kill him well it was in this time that God began to teach him many lessons and by the way many times it's in the rough areas of our life that God teaches us the big lessons you know, when everything's wonderful, when we have money in our pocket, family's well, the health is good, we don't always recognize and remember God like we should. Sometimes God has to put us down some low spots so that we look up and say, oh Lord, please help me. And he says, I have to put you all the way down there just so you'll look up at me. Well, David now is running for his life and he finally decided, you know what, they're going to kill me in Israel. So he crosses over into enemy territory into the Philistines. He's living there with the Philistines and the Philistines one day they come and they said, you know what, let's go over and let's fight against Israelites. And David and his mighty men at that time, he got about 600 men. And so David and his mighty men, they're there and David said, I will go with you. Now in his heart, he didn't want to go. These were God's chosen people. That was his heritage. That was his family. He didn't want to go, but you know, I mean, he's living with the enemy. So he said, all right, we'll go with you. He starts heading his way over. Now, David and his, his men, they were living in Ziklag. And so Ziklag later was given to Israel. And they were, they were there. And so David and his men left. And by the time that they're up there, all the Philistines said, man, you're one of them. Get out of here. And so David looks at the, the king and he said, come on, man. I'm one of you guys. I'll help you out. You, you remember the story. And they sent David back. And so sure enough, he's making his way back to Ziklag. As he's making his way back to Ziklag, Ziklag with his mighty men. This is the story that's going on, verse number 2. They had taken, they had entered in here. They had taken captive, the women captive. They were there and they slew not any, either great or small. They carried them away. They went on their way. Verse number 3. David and his men came to the city. Behold, it was burned with fire. Their wives, their sons, their daughters, they were taken captives. David and the people, remember they were walking back, they were just going to, to war and now they're walking back. Then David and the people that were with him, they lifted up their voice. Look what it says here. They wept until they had no more power to weep. Have you been to that point in your life, maybe in a funeral, maybe you lost a loved one, maybe it's a rough time, or maybe there's just trials in your life and you don't know, and you start to cry and you're crying out to God and you're like, Lord, I, I have no more tears in the tear duct, God. I mean, the barrel's empty, God. I just can't do it. So David and his men, they're walking back. They went to war and now their families are staying right there. And as they're walking back to, to, to Ziklag, to the camp, they look there and the entire village, it's on fire. He gets back there and they begin to weep. God, what's going on? Lord, we don't understand. And David, I'm sure in his mind, is thinking, hey, God, you anointed me. But you sent your man. You anointed me. I'm supposed to be your next king. God, I'm supposed to be your servant. And this is what's happening to me? Look what the Bible says in verse number five. And David's two wives, they were taken captive. Lord knows how to say those names. But 
Thank God that we changed our names to Johnny and Bill and all the rest, you know. So let's just skip over them. There were some pretty wives, I guess. And Abigail, the, the wife of Nabal and the Carmelite, verse number six. Look what it says here. And grab a pen if you would. David was greatly, the Bible said, David was greatly distressed. He come to a spot and he said, what in the world is going on here? I'm supposed to be leading these guys. God, I don't even understand. This makes no sense. The, the first time I was just out obeying the sheep and, and here comes Samuel and he said, where's all, the, where's all your sons? And I was out just obeying dad, doing what I was supposed to do. And all of a sudden dad sends the boys and my brothers, they call me and said, David, come on in here. I go in there and here's the man of God, the prophet of God. And he said, kneel boy. And I kneel down there and all of a sudden he puts oil on my head and it goes through my mind. I remember what God says about this. I remember that, 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 that Moses and the, that, that runs down the beard, that the oil runs down the beard. This is God's anointing on my life. And I imagine David saying, God, I'm the next one. God, what, you're going to do wonderful things. And God, now this is happening? Lord, this makes no sense. If I was writing the play, God, I wouldn't write it this way. God, if I was in charge, I wouldn't do it this way. David was distressed. So look at it. David was greatly distressed for the people. These were the men, the 600 men, many of those that they were indebted and they were discouraged and they were down and they came to David and David helped them. They become the mighty men. The people spake of stoning him. They stoned David. David was the leader. Now these men are saying, you know what? Not only did we lose our wives and our kids, our animals, our lifestyle, everything that we had. And we know that you lost yours, but you know what? To top it all off, we're killing you, buddy. This is all your fault. David was distressed. He says, what's going on here? And look what it says here. They began to speak of stoning him because the soul of all the people, they were grieved. Every man for his sons and for his daughters. Now look at this next word. Would you put this? There's a transitional word. It says, but. In other words, this is going to flip the coin and we're going to see a whole different stage here. It goes from one chapter to another. And all of a sudden, the, the, the whole story is about to change. Look what it says here. But David, and if you've got a pen, would you underline this next section here? David encouraged himself. In the Lord his God. And I want to focus on that for just a few minutes if we could tonight. David, just, David encouraged himself. David was distressed. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Now you got to remember that according to the passage here that David was out doing God's work. And he went up to the palace and Saul tries to kill him. He runs and he said, God, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to save my, my life here, God. And I'm trying to help all these men. I don't know what's going on. And now they're talking about killing the same men. So I don't know exactly what happened. The Bible doesn't unveil it all throughout the, 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 the book of Kings or Chronicles. The Bible doesn't give us the exact specifics of what's going on here. But David walks away. Everybody's talking about, we're going to kill you, buddy. You're going down. And David's saying, they took my kids and my wives and my, my, you know, all my animals. And they burnt down my house. They did everything that they did to you. And I'm leading you guys. What are you talking about hurting me? And David walks away and he, I don't know what he did. But maybe he got down there and he said... God, I have no idea what's going on here. But God, I know that you anointed me. God, and I know you told me. God, and I know you've given me promises, God. And I remember those times in, that I was out in the middle of nowhere in the desert. I was throwing those rocks and I was watching the sheep and I was lifting up my voice. That psalmist of Israel saying, oh Lord, you are my shepherd. With you I shall not want. God, I remember all those times and what's going on? And so David separates him and this is what the Bible says. He encouraged himself in the Lord. Tonight, for just a few moments, I want to talk to you about this. And you know the rest of the story. We can flip through that passage right there. And if you were to flip through that passage there, it says that David, verse number, uh, we can 
I guess we can go through all of it. And in verse number 8, he's, he pursued. And then verse number 10, David pursued. And then verse number 18, he recovered it all. And then verse number 19, at the end, David recovered it all. We can go all the way through that passage. But let me, let me show you this right here. All of a sudden, this transitional point, everything's about to change because of one thing that David did. David walked away, got all alone. I remember, I don't know if he was talking, thinking about the promises of God or he began to sing the things of God or he began to remember all that, that God had told him or God had done in his life. And, but all of a sudden he stops and he says, you know what? I do not need to stay in this pit. Discouragement is a state in which I pass, but I do not have to live here. I'm out of here. And David says, all right, gentlemen, let's go. And all of a sudden, they pursue, they continue on. He doesn't sit, he might sit down and cry for a little bit, but he gets back up on his feet, he walks that way, and all of a sudden, they get all of it, they pursue, they get all of it, and they even gain more. And this is what I want to talk to you for a few minutes this evening, how to encourage yourself when you're going through hard times. If you've lived long at all, or really, if you've lived in life, no matter three days or whatever, there's going to be hard times. In the Lord's Prayer, in John chapter number 17, the Lord said, uh, Jesus Christ speaking to God, in verse number 5, he said, Lord, I, God, I don't ask you to take them out of this world, but to keep them in the world. In other words, in this world, according to John chapter 16, verse number 30, in this world you shall have tribulation. You're going to have hard times. And he says, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I'm with you. We're going to make it. In other words, God says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 12, that, that those that, that want to live godly, they're going, to, they're going to suffer persecution. You're going to have hard times. You're going to go through difficult times. Now, you and I, as children of God, we want to encourage other people, but we can't encourage other people if we're not encouraged ourselves. So how do we get out of that, 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 that dump that we're in? How do we get out of that mindset that we're in? How do we encourage ourselves so that we can walk forward being encouraged and keep serving God. When things are going wrong, maybe at, at your job, or maybe they fire you without telling you that, maybe you lose a lost loved one, or maybe somebody gets upset at you, or maybe somebody criticizes, or whatever happens in your life, when you get down, how do you get back up so that you continue on serving the Lord? If you go with me to the book of Proverbs in chapter number 13, and we'll begin our little journey this evening. One of my heroes in the Word of God is is Barnabas. Barnabas was the son of consolation. He was a man that he was there and he was always encouraging. He was always helping. He was always lifting up other people. He was always serving the Lord. He was that guy. God used Barnabas to, 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 to return his, his, his nephew, John Mark. And God used Barnabas to, to help Saul become that Paul. And God used Barnabas to go out to uh, Jerusalem and help the church and go out to Antioch and help the church and the new believers. And Barnabas was always encouraging others. Barnabas learned something. And the psalmist David here says, you know what? I encouraged myself in the Lord. I just got back up and I kept going. This is much more than, you know, just grab a hold of it, get a bunch of grit and keep on moving forward. How do we encourage ourselves in the Lord? Proverbs chapter 13, we're going to take a little journey through the Word of God. And let me give you a couple principles from the Word of God. How can we encourage ourselves in hard times? Proverbs chapter 13, verse number 20. We can read that. The Bible says this. He that walketh with wise men, he shall be, what does it say? Wise. He that walketh with wise men, what's he going to be? The Bible says he shall be what? Wise. But a companion or a friend of fools, he'll be destroyed. Very first thing, if you're going to encourage yourself in the Lord, dear friend, you must get around Christian influence. Do you know your friends are like elevators? They're going to take you up or take you down. There's no way of staying right where you are. Make sure you're around the right people. Make sure that you're, you're hanging around those that are going to lift you up, that are going to get you close to God, they're going to, that they're going to be a blessing to your soul. 
David said in Psalm chapter 122, verse number 1. He said, I rejoice with them that said, to the house of the Lord we will go. In Psalm 119, verse number 163, he said, you know what? I am a, I am a companion, a friend of all those that fear the Lord. Dear friend, we need Christian influence. God didn't make any of us to be an island, to be a hermit, to live on our own. We need each other. You know, the, 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 the church, what a wonderful thing. The, the house of God with the other, hearing from the word of God, singing praises unto our God with our other brothers and sisters of, of God. And I'm just a wonderful thing, and we all need it. The Bible says that we shouldn't uh, forsake the fellowship of, of assembling. How much more that the day is approaching. Our Lord is coming back. We need the Christian influence. Dear friend, if, if we're going to get out of the hard times, and we'll all go through the hard times, but if you're going to get out of that slump and you're going to keep moving forward for God, number one, you need the Christian influence in your life. We need all those other brothers and sisters. You say, you know what? I mean, go with me if you would. Well, we're speaking here to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. We all get moments of discouragement. Many times when somebody, the first thing they happens when somebody gets discouraged the first thing they, they they get discouraged the first thing they want to do is they want to leave church they want to be quiet they want to isolate themselves and the, what we need is not to isolate ourselves we need to get around others what we don't we don't need to leave the church we need to get more of the church we need more of the word of god we need the christian influence dear friends when i was young they used to say blood is thicker than water and talking about your family i mean your family's close my brother and i we could fight about anything you know and we'll defend each other you know and uh, in fact, um, I've got two sisters, I've got a brother, and um, shamefully, I would say, when I was in fourth grade, at least one of the three times I was in fourth grade, what a great time it was. But one of the, one of the three times I was in the fourth grade, I remember this kid was bullying me at school, and uh, I remember his name, you know, I'm not going to say it just in case he's out there, you know, I don't need him again, you know, but anyway, I remember this kid was bullying me, and I, I went home, and I don't know, I mean, I was in fourth grade, probably crying, you know, and I was probably the, you know, I was probably growing facial hair in fourth grade, I mean, you were there three times, you're about to, you know, you'd be the oldest kid in class, you know, and so, man, I remember I, I went home, and I was crying, my, my older sister said, what happened to you? And I said, you know, I'm whining, you know, like, how are you supposed to whine to your sister, you know? And so, sure enough, she said, well, where does he live? And I remember uh, my sister walked me down there and said, go up to the house. And I knocked on the door and I moved and my sister said, tell Philip, get out here. I said his name, <laughs> you know, said, tell him to get out here, you know? And my sister beat up my bully. You know, how embarrassing is that, you know? Like, I, I should never tell that. Can we erase that off there, gentlemen? That's embarrassing, you know? But, I mean, good night if you have to send your sister to do your fight. But anyway, you know, blood is thicker than water. Let me tell you this, dear friend. But do you know that the blood of Christ is the greatest unity in all mankind? We need each other, dear friends. We're, we, as children of God, we have the same Father. We have the same blood, the blood of Jesus Christ. We need each other, dear friends. If we're to get out of that slump and keep moving forward for the Lord Jesus Christ, we need the right influence in our lives. We need Christian influence. Well, go with me, if you would, to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10. The Bible teaches us this, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And look, at, if you would, in verse number 24, and the Bible says this, Let no man seek his own. Look what it says. Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. We're not talking about financial wealth. We're talking about his well-being. We're talking about, you know, his good. Let every man not seek your own, but the, 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 the good or the well-being of somebody else. Romans chapter 12, verse number 10, it talks about preferring one another. We can go to several different verses. You know those very well. But let me give you another principle from the Word of God. If we're going to encourage ourselves in the Lord, there's hard times that are going to come. And if we're going to encourage ourselves in the Lord, first we need good Christian influence. But secondly, dear friends, we need to help others. Start serving others. 
What does it mean to serve up? No, no, no. I don't think you understood, dear brother. Like, I'm going through a hard time. I need somebody to help me. But you know God's economy works exactly the opposite of ours. God says, you want to be first and be last. You want to be the greatest and be the servant of all. You want to live and die. You want to get and give. Everything's just opposite in God's economy. And God says, quit looking for your own well-being. Look for the well-being of others. If you'll start serving others, if you'll start helping others, you'll forget about your own issues, your own problems. You can comfort one another. Remember that in 1 Corinthians chapter, or 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, he said, we've been comforted. Where with the comfort that we've been comforted so that we can turn around and we can comfort others. God hasn't comforted you just so you can say, oh boy, this is great. God's comforted you for a specific reason so that you can turn around and you can comfort others. God's helped you. God's blessed you. God's used you. Whatever it is so that you can turn around and help other people. When was the last time you encouraged somebody else? You say, no, I need somebody to encourage me. Well, then why don't you write a letter and encourage somebody else? Why don't you say, you know what, you're a blessing to me. Man, I've been praying for you. Man, let me send you a text. Let me, why don't you do something for somebody else and all of a sudden you'll find out, wow, that actually helped me out. It's actually, it, you know, it's, it's more blessed to, to, to give than to receive. That makes no sense until you do it. You know, I mean, I used to love Christmas. You got five kids and forget Christmas on you, big boy. You know, I mean, all of a sudden everything's about everybody else, you know. But you know what I found out as a dad? I love it when my kids are enjoying it. I love getting something for my, I, I enjoy watching other people. And, and I, think, I think, Lord, how much more and greater our God and so we comfort and we encourage and we help and we lift up somebody else and, you know, talk good about others. Don't, you don't have to tear everybody down. By the way, the, the ladder, sometimes we think that to get, climb high, you know, we got to step up on everybody else. No, dear friend, you can keep going without stepping on anybody else. You don't have to put everybody down. But you know what? Put others before yourself. We talk about preferring one another and loving one another. I mean, there's some 20-odd verses. The Bible says one another verses. And that's our responsibility. That's part of the, the body that God's given us. There's a story about a, a pastor who uh, somebody called him and said, Pastor, I need you to come and help me. I'm really discouraged. The pastor picked up the phone and said, well, all right, I'll be over there. The pastor began to think, you know, I got my own issues. I got my own struggles. I got my own problems. Why in the world I need to go over and help you when I've got my own issues? So the pastor walked over there and he put his proverbial issues and problems to the side. And he set them to the side and he knocked on the door and he walked in and he encouraged them. And he prayed with them and he talked to them and he said, you know what? And so he got ready to leave and he, he prayed and he finished. He walked out and as he walked out, he went to grab a hold of his problems. Those were the things that he set to the side so that he could encourage and he help others. And when he looked to the side to grab all of his problems, they were there anymore he found out when he started helping others he was helped himself dear friend if you're going to get out of encouragement then why don't you begin to serve other people why don't you begin to, to, to do other things for other people go with me if you would the book of joshua chapter one joshua chapter one let me give you just a couple more verses very quickly joshua the next book after the book of deuteronomy so we have genesis the fifth and the book and then we have the deuteronomy then we have the sixth book joshua the book after the law and so we have joshua in chapter number one now joshua is this servant of moses and now it's his turn god's using him and god has buried his worker and by the way god may bury a worker but god never buries his work does he and god just continues on his work because it's about god it's not it's his kingdom not our kingdom and so God keeps on working. God's going to show Joshua and God's going to help Joshua. Look what it says here. And you know this verse and probably by heart. Look what it says in Joshua chapter 1 and look at verse number 8. This book of the law, it shall not depart out of thy mouth. 
Thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then, at that time, when you're meditating on it, when you're observing to, to obey it, then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then, at that time, thou shalt have, what does it say the Bible? Good success. You know, we like to talk about success. That's a buzzword, isn't it? We all want success, and we'll find, you know, uh, you know, 11 ways to find success, you know, in your relationship, and 10 ways to find success financially, and, uh, you know, five ways to find success in leadership. And we have all these buzzwords. We like the word success, and we all want it. Do you know the only time that the Bible uses the word success, it speaks about success is collated. It's right there, twined together with the word of God. Do you know, dear friend, if you're going to get out of those hard times in your life, you're going to encourage yourself. Yes, dear friend. You're going to encourage yourself. You need the right influence. Yes, you need to serve others. But number three, and not necessarily in this order, but you need to be in the Word. The Word of God, that's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, isn't it? The Word of God, that's my meat for every day. That's my bread from God. That's the love letter from my Lord. That's my all. That is my manual for life. That teaches me how to be a good dad or a good husband or to, to how I work or work with others or tell people about Jesus, teach or whatever it is. God teaches me everything. He's given us the manual. It's called the Word of God. And dear friend, when you're down, what you need is a good dose of the Word of God. Sometimes we think, you know what? It's stale. I can't do it. And therefore, you know, we can go and we certainly can serve others and we can certainly be around the right influence and then we must get, at some point, we must get back to the Word, dear friend. And when you and I are in the Word of God, when we're meditating, when we're chewing on it, when we're thinking about it all day, pastor preached this morning out of Ephesians chapter 5, a fabulous passage and I was underlining different things and I think I might be preaching that one myself, but I'll just change the title, you know. So, uh, But anyway, I mean, what a wonderful passage, you know, and out of Ephesians chapter 5 and I was looking and I thought, man, that is so good, the will of God. Boy, Lord, I need that. that. That's what it means to be filled with the Spirit. Man, I began to think of those different things and th throughout the day I was chewing on it, I was meditating and as I meditated on it, the Bible says, according to Psalm chapter 1, I can be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water. His fruit, I mean, it's just going to, it's going to come out, right? I'm going to be stable. I'll be strong. I'll have the nutrition that I need. I'll have the fruit producing that I should. I'll be exactly what I need to be when I'm in the word of God. And dear friends, if we're not careful, I remember being in Bible college and hearing somebody say, you know, the easiest way to get out of the will of God or get away from God is being in Bible college. And I thought, you got to be kidding me. But you know what? Many times when we're so close to being in a, such a fabulous church that, that, that preaches the word of God, that loves people, that witnesses, that has wonderful kids opportunities and activities, many times we're so inundated with all the things that, that are spiritual around us that we'll leave the Bible at church and we'll go home and not read the Bible throughout the week. Oh, dear friend, if you're going to get out of the hard times and they're coming in your life, life is like a, I mean, Boy, it's just, it, life is like a pressure cooker. I mean, it could just get us down and whistle us out, you know? I mean, it'll, it'll, it'll take us there and back and, I mean, just stress us out and everything else. But how are we going to get out of that and encourage ourselves in the Lord and keep moving forward? Some basic step, but listen, dear friend, you and I, we must be in the Word of God. Well, let me give you one other very quickly, if you would, this evening. Go to the book of Psalms 118. Psalms 118. Very quickly as we make our way there. How are we going to encourage ourselves in the Lord? How are we going to continue going forward when we feel like quitting? When we feel like stopping? When people are criticized? I heard not long ago, it takes no size to criticize. You know, anybody can do it, you know? 
You get a bunch of, uh, um, uh, of keyboard pirates out there and, boy, they'll take you to task, you know? You get a bunch of people and you think, what in the world's going on? Boy, you just get down and you get tired and you say, Lord, it's just not worth it. And God, I can't do it and all. But we've got to keep moving forward. But how can I keep moving forward? David, at that moment, he went away. He encouraged himself in the Lord. He said, you know what? Let's keep moving forward. And there's some principles from the word of God, some stones that we can step up on to get across that river of discouragement so that we can keep moving forward, dear friend. We need the right influence. We need to serve one another. We have the word of God. Let me give you one more. Psalms 118, very quickly. Psalms 118, this is the longest book in the Bible. You know that. Psalms 118, Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. We're going to go to Psalm 118. And look what it says here. Psalm 118, verse number one, the very first verse. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. Isn't he? He is good because his mercy endureth forever. Go to the very last verse of that chapter, verse number 29, Psalm 118, verse number 29. Oh, give thanks. Once again, it repeats the same as it started. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. If you would go with me to the book of that same book, Psalms 150, the very last chapter. Psalms 150, the book is ending out. And as the book ends out, Psalm 150, very quickly we make our way to the very last chapter. Only six verses, very short, but in those six verses, 12 times the same word is repeated over and over and over and over. Look what it says here, Psalm 150, and verse number one, we'll begin right here. And every time the word praise is mentioned, I want you to say that with me, all right? So I'll stop. And we'll say that word. So let's say the very first word together. Psalm 150, verse number one. What does the Bible say? Verse number one, what does it say? Praise ye the Lord. Next word, what does it say? Praise God in his sanctuary. Next word, what does it say? Praise him in the firmament of his power. Verse number two, first word, what does it say? Praise him for his mighty acts. Verse number, continue on. Next word, what does it say? Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Verse number three, first word, what does it say? Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Next word, what does it say? Praise him with the psaltery and the harp. Verse number four, first word, what does it say? Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Next word, what does it say? Praise him with stringed instruments and organs. Verse number five, first word, what does it say? Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Next word, what does it say? Praise him upon the high sounding cymbals. Verse number six, let everything that hath breath, what does it say? Praise the Lord. Next word, what does it say? Praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise ye the Lord. Right? But you know, as we go through here, praise, 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 praise. You say, good night, man. Why does God keep saying it over and over as he ends out the book? You know, because God, God wants you to see something. Let me give you one more. David encouraged himself in the Lord. What is that supposed to mean? Well, some principles from the word of God. If we're going to encourage ourselves in the Lord to keep moving forward in the hard times, when things are not going our way, when we don't see it, when it looks like, man, I see light at the end of the tunnel. Wait, that's not light. That's a train coming at me. You know, have you ever felt that way? You know, you're like, what in the world? This is not good. Boy, it just seems like nothing's going right. But during that time, how can you get out? How can you keep moving forward for the Lord? Well, get around the right influence. We need each other. We'll begin to serve one another, dear friend. That'll help you. It'll get your focus off of you and put it on Christ and on others. Remember the joy, the acronym? J-O-Y. Jesus and others and you, right? And then get in the Word. You need the Word. It'll strengthen you. It'll help you. It'll ground you. It'll, it'll, it'll empower you. It's got, the, it's got everything that you need. But let me give you the last one. Count your blessings. 
simply, you know this very well, but you and I, when was the last time, let me ask you this, when was the last time you simply took out a piece of paper and you began to write down all the blessings that God has done in your life? It'll change the way you feel. Many times we, we begin to say, oh God, things are wrong, God, things are bad. If we go to Philippians chapter 4, verse number 6, the Lord said, wait, 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 wait. He said, you know what, before you come to me in prayer, he said, there's no need to be discouraged. He said, no need to be anxious. He said, be, you know, for, for nothing. And he says, and then go with him with thanksgiving. In Psalms 100 and verse number 4, the Bible says, enter in his courts with thanksgiving, in his, gate, uh, in his courts with thanksgiving, and his gates with praise. What is that supposed to mean? You and I, dear friend, we have so much to be thankful for. We fuss a lot, don't we? And we can find the, you know, I'm just a half cup empty fella. I don't care what cup you are, dear friend. Change your focus and start looking at the blessings of God. We say, well, you don't understand my personality. What is, was your personality stronger than God? Is, is God not good to you? Sometimes we need to remember things. Sometimes we need to write them down. Sometimes we need to focus on those. If we're going to enter into his, 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 his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise, we must start and say, God, you've been good. And once we do, all of a sudden, all the other problems, they just kind of seem to be diminished. When David stood there, and it should have been Saul that went after Goliath. It should have been Jonathan, the, you know, his son, who also had armor that day that went after Goliath. But it was David, the young shepherd boy, the little kid, you know, that went out there that was not even supposed to be in war. He was just out there watching for, you know, going out to tell his three older brothers that dad sent some sandwiches. And he heard this big old giant of a man down there. He was scolding, he was talking bad about God. David said, what in the world's going on? He went down there and he said, hey, big fat boy, I'm about to take you down. Uh, that's not, I mean, that's in the Greek. You have to be a little bit smarter to understand that underlying part. But I mean, hey, big fat boy, I'm about to take you down. Your breast stinks. And oh, I hope you told mama bye because you're not going home when I get done with you. And he's like, whack. And, you know, he knocks him down. He jumps on his belly trampoline style like, whoo-hoo, this is awesome. He says, you know what? I forgot my sword. Can I borrow yours? And he takes it out. He says, whack. And he rips, you know, just pulls off. And then the Bible says a little bit gruesome. But the Bible actually says he carries around the head. Of, I would have loved to seen that, you know, like. What you looking at? <laughs> oh, you scaring those guys? Anybody want to play soccer? Boom, boom, going with the head of Goliath. You know? I mean, he's carrying that around. Why? How did that even happen? Because while everybody else was looking at the stature of this great giant, David was looking at the strength of his great God. David said, no, I'm not looking at the problems. I'm looking at the power. I know the one that I work for. I know the one who's good to me. And you know, dear friend, when you and I, we begin to look at all of our problems, we say, I can't do it, God. It's stressing me out, God. I'm anxious, God. I can't do this anymore. I can't get out in society. Things are so bad and I'll get so sick and I can't do this anymore. And God says, wait a minute. Do you not realize that I'm the one who has blessed you and helped you and protected you and provided for you up till this point? And do you think I'm going to leave you now? In Isaiah chapter number 49, verse number 10, Bible, uh, verse number 15 the Lord speaking to, to Israel said, can a mother leave her suckling child? In other words, little bitty baby that still needs mom. And said, can, can a mama leave? And he said, absolutely not. You say, yay. The Lord looks and he says, yay, but I'll never leave you. You know, God's right there with you. Remember that old song that we used to sing? We probably need to sing a whole lot more. Count your many blessings. Name them one 
by one. Count your many blessings. See what God has done. Dear friend, when you get your focus off yourself and off your issues and off your problems and all the circumstances and place your eyes on God, everything else diminishes away. Nothing else is important. Dear friend, we've all been and we all will face struggles and hard time and difficulties and trials in our life. But God doesn't want us to stay there. Just as David, we can encourage ourselves in the Lord. Maybe we need to thank God, your great promises. God, your great provision. God, your great protection. I don't know what it may be, dear friend, but from the principles of the word of God, we have things that will help us, to, those stones that will help us get right across the river. And as we look back, we say, you did it again, God. I remember throughout the years, and I hope very respectfully I want to say this, throughout the years I remember that multiple times, this sweet church has tried and prayed and tried to get this building right here for at least 25 years that I know of. And God said, it's finally time. Now we're on the other side of the river and we say, wow, God, look at you brought us all through. Oh, dear friend, when trials come your way, don't get back down and say, oh, no. Look back that way and say, wow, God, how many great things you've done in my life. And God, I know that you're still going to be faithful. My favorite Bible verse is Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this very thing that he, that's God, which hath begun a good work in you, that's salvation, when he saved you, he'll perform it, he'll perfect it, mature it, all the way until the day of Jesus Christ. He started something in you, buddy, and he's never going to leave you all the way until he comes and takes you out of this world. God is here for you. So get out of the discouragement and keep moving forward for the Lord. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Father, we love you and thank you. Oh, God, use us. Lord, thank you for a wonderful church. God, thank you for... A great group of people, God. What a sweet spirit there is, God. What great blessings there is upon this church. Lord, you are tremendously good to all of us. And God, all of us have gone or will go through difficult times in our life. And what do we do when we get to those times, God? May we not quit. May we not stay down. May we not just give it all over, throw in the white towel, God. May we say, oh, Lord, I'm going to get out of this. God, may we remember how good you've been to us, God. And may we get right across. May we count our blessings, God. See how good you've been to us. Lord, we love you and we thank you. Now use us for your honor and glory as pastor comes and he concludes the time that we have together this evening, God. And as we finish out our time and we go our separate ways into the workforce, into schools, into activities of life, God, would you bless and use each and every one of us to bring us back safely throughout the week and to continue following and serving you with our lives. We thank you, Lord, and we love you. Use us, Father, in Jesus' precious name we do pray and we thank you. Amen and amen.